Hello, hello, and welcome to the Wing Women podcast, hosted by best mates and journalists, Frankie that's me, and Charlie Gowans Eglinton, that's her. We're back after our summer break. It's quite a long break, wasn't it? She says in mid-November. <laughs> <laughs> the world has changed. We've had two new prime ministers, a new monarch, a billionaire has taken over Twitter, and that's chaos. I'd say the big news, though, is that a new crystal shop has opened around the corner from my home. Has it? Mm. Lovely. Mm -hmm. I'm already upset about it. I'm upset because when I saw that a new shop fit was happening, I thought, lovely. Yeah. Maybe an overpriced deli. Yeah. Need another one of those in my life where I can get a £6 sourdough and a £3 chai latte. But no, it's crystals. What I'm most upset about is it's called Dogstone crystals you live in state Newton. excuse me i live in state Newton slash newington green <laughs> how dare they oh, so it's all change all change not really all change because we're still sat in my living room which looks equally messy there's a pile of recycling in the corner but special occasion recording the podcast i put the heating on Mm. spending money like it's going out of style it's alright we haven't had the autumn statement yet which will happen later this week so then we can reassess after we know how much more tax we're going to be paying so Ben is a pro at being frugal with resources which is great we need it to balance out my spend quick spend fast just don't think about it mentality so the radiators have been turned down low we're taking the low and slow approach so we can put heating on for an hour burst in the morning and in the afternoon. But low and slow, so it kind of gradually builds. But what I'm getting pissed off about is that if I'm in the living room, for example, and I go into the kitchen to make a drink, I'm clearly going back. He switched the fucking lights off. You can't leave a room without all the lights going off and all the doors being closed. I'm like, let's make it as open plan as possible. You I know? took all my doors down. There you go, see? When you live in small spaces, you've got to do what you can to make it feel airy and light. And now every single fucking door's being closed. Retain the heat. God damn it. All of mine are single pane Victorian glass. And if you stand by the balcony doors, which are on the stairway, you can feel the breeze. <laughs> Fresh. So the problem is, as soon as the heating goes off, it's just freezing again. I have just been wearing a lot of clothes. You're wearing a lovely cashmere knit. Thank you so much. It's really nice. Where's it from? Vince. I also like your, I'd call it mole-coloured turtleneck. I've got just so many versions of this same. Yeah, it's great. Where from? This one's from Albury. Interesting. I bought a really similar one. I didn't buy it. I got gifted it, which is very kind and lovely. Thank you, Whistles, for my free jumper. But I picked it because I was like, oh, that's a nice jumper. And then took it out to show Ben. And he was like, you have that exact jumper five times already in your drawers upstairs. And I went upstairs and lo and behold, it's an identical. I just... You wear them all the time. All the time. And I'm fine, actually, to be stuck in a jumper rut. Also, does Ben want you to keep the heating off? In which case, he should embrace your love of jumpers. Well, no, I think he's happy with me wearing jumpers. I think it's the fact that I just wear different versions of the same one. Sometimes they're more greyy, sometimes they're practically camel or beige. Ben but... always looks the same. I've never seen him mix <laughs> up his lip. Oh, lol, You know, lol, maybe lol. he could have different glasses, loads of different ones. Oh, nice. He could so do sometimes... like a jazzy frame. Right? Sometimes yeah. he's doing a cat eye. He could be like the prue leaf of your household. 
<laughs> are both statement necklaces. Brightly coloured glasses. For Christmas. Yeah. So, I mean, glass houses, Ben. <laughs> oh, funny. What have you been up to? It's a great question. Do you know what? I feel <laughs> this question is one I find really hard to answer because I feel like partly to do with our age and the life stage that we're at and partly to do with the fact that now that so many people work from home, you're catching up less and so more time passes between seeing people or it certainly does for me. People say, what have you been up to? I feel like you're expected to share a big thing. Yeah. Like, oh, I've bought a house or I'm, I'm having a baby or I'm getting married or we're doing an extension or little reno or I've changed my job or any of these things. I'm the same, hi. <laughs> hi, it's just me. I live in the same place. I look the same. I wear the same clothes. So yeah, I'm great. You know, I'm actually great. Busy at work and seeing friends, reading books and watching a lot of TV and went and helped my friend with her allotment on Saturday, etc. But do I have anything big to share? No, I don't. Talking about TV, guess what I watched last night? What? The Christmas film of the season, Falling for Christmas, with Lindsay Lohan. It's her big return to the screen. Amazing, I haven't seen it, but I love a shit Christmas film. What kind of trope is it? Okay, so here it is. She is a billionaire heiress of a hotelier, Mm -hmm. Belmont is the brand. Her dad is Mr. Belmont, with a T, not to be confused with Belmond, which I think are those razzy trains, aren't they? A hundred percent, yeah. That great hotel in Dea that we didn't stay in, but we could see from our Airbnb. (laughs) That's really nice. (laughs) Kid longingly at over the gate. When I was on my cruise, I went for a drink at the Belmont in Taormina, in Sicily, and it was very chic. And then I went and got back on my cruise ship. So I will confuse it with those hotels in my mind, but that's probably what they were doing. Probably. You know, yeah. trying to put us in the mindset of Orient Express fabulousness. Aspirational greatness. They're in a snowy resort in America. It's a ski, five-star... Like Aspen sort of situation. Yeah. Not that I've been to any of those places, but you know. I went to Verbs once for 24 hours. Verbio. Yeah. Mm. It was great. Mm. It was great. I didn't I ski. I didn't ski. I didn't then either. I just looked at the snow. And went to a conference about a sports bra. (laughs) Which was weird. But hey, take me to verbs and I'll sit through anything. Okay, so dad is worried that Lindsay Lohan, whose name is Sassy? Sassy. Fantastic. Cece, something. Perfect. Mm. She's got no direction in life. Her socials have been hacked. And so it means that she can't be an influencer. That was the career plan. To be an influencer, but her socials were hacked, which I think is a reference maybe to something that actually might have happened. Because I think, did she tweet something potentially about Hitler? And then was like, whoops, my Twitter got hacked. Ignore previous posts. Ignore me being incredibly problematic. Mm. Anyway, he's like, don't worry, you can have a job here at the glamorous snowy resort that I own as vice president of Atmosphere brilliant atmosphere so great what a great job her instagram boyfriend turns up he's vacuous and awful tries to propose on top of a mountain she slides down it hits her head amnesia fantastic yeah i feel like we haven't had an amnesia storyline no, anywhere for a long it's time it's giving dal hannah splash <laughs> no that's the wrong one i mean goldie horn overboard goldie horn is an heiress or something 
I think maybe it's attempted murder from her wealthy spouse. Right. Tips her over the back of the boat. Hence overboard. She gets fished out of something and rescued with amnesia by, I can't remember who it is, a man. I think he's a widower. He's got some children. Of course. Um, they live on a farm and he convinces her that they're a family and then it all comes out but she falls in love with him anyway. It sounds like this has borrowed some storyline plots. But also, when you said propose on a mountain, I immediately thought Paris Hilton. She got engaged, do you remember, on the slopes. There you go. So I'm really enjoying these times, yeah. you know? And there's one scene before the mountain slide happens where she's in the car and a Christmas song comes on. And of course, it's Jingle Bell Rock. Perfect. Anyway, the local man who runs a family-run lodge, who is a widower, has a small cute child. Uh-huh. He finds her, takes her back to the lodge. All she can wear is stuff that's been in the lost and found because the paramedics had to cut her out of her paddy snowsuit onesie. So what's been in the lost and found? Lots of good Christmas knits. It's like a real celebration of a novelty knit. Some ski slopey ones, there's some ball ball ones, lots of tartan. Brilliant. Anyway, obs, they fall in love. She rediscovers who she is, but she turns her back on her Instagram boyfriend, Tad. Fantastic. And decides that just a simple life, another Paris Hilton reference, is for her. Brilliant. Sorry if anyone didn't want to know the full (laughs) plot. (laughs) I do think you can guess those plots from right at the beginning. Yeah. You know what's going to happen, but there's something so enjoyable about knowing what's going to happen. You're not watching for the cliffhangers, are you? You're not watching for moments of jeopardy. That's not the point. There's not going to be a twist in the tale. I know. I saw it described somewhere, potentially variety, as better than average. I don't think it is. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is definitely average. (laughs) But that's fine. I think don't expect too much. I watch the shittest Christmas films, so I will love it. I love all of them. I love that they're all telling you to give up your job that earns money to launch that craft business that you've always wanted to. I love that they're always telling you you should get back together with your boyfriend from high school. I love that they're always telling you that if you wear high heels and have a wheelie suitcase, you're a nightmare. And everyone is looking at you thinking, what a high maintenance nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) It seems almost bizarre that the message through every Christmas film I've ever watched is to reject capitalism and go back to basic roots. And it's just about the simple things in life, da-da-da-da-da. Yet you're airing this at the moment of the year where it is peak capitalism. And actually it's like, buy this, buy this. You need more tinsel. You need this. You need to buy this. And it's like, how did those two come together? Since when was Christmas a moment to be stripped back and frugal and... That's not Christmas that we know. I am such a dum-dum for these films because I know what they're doing. I love them anyway. I'll be watching it. It's on Netflix and there's a scene where she switches on the TV and that Netflix comes on. And there's a very brief clip of the castle at Christmas. Yeah, Brooke Brooke Shields. Shields. And also a fabulous Christmas film. It's a terrible film. (laughs) 
I would feel offended if I was Scottish, I think, watching that film. Because yeah, I think even the going, taxi... I'm actually Scottish. McGinty. I'm sure it's McGinty. <laughs> and it is, is McGinty. Yeah. But the taxi captain that picks her up. I mean, I don't think that happens <laughs> oh, yes. in Scotland. And also... <laughs> All of the people who live in the local town just knit in their free time. They've yes, got they a knitting circle. Yeah. That's all there is to do. <laughs> they just knit and drink. That's their view of the Scottish. So peculiar. And I love it. Oh. So that is a very welcome comeback from the 90s. Lindsay Lohan. Yes. Excited about it. Excited to see what she might be doing. Good for her. Oh, another side note. Did you see that Millie Bobby Brown apparently said in an interview that she'd like to play Britney Spears in a biopic because she really resonates with her... Child star, being sexualised from a young age, that vibe? I guess. Potentially. And they look quite similar. So she's just thinking this is a dream role and Britney has put on her Instagram like, no, thank you. I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> not even cold in my grave, bitch. <laughs> I'll play me in a biopic. Imagine, because you've already got Pamela Anderson being like, guys, come on. Hello, still here. This was a really traumatic experience for me. Don't do this. Just so peculiar to be a female celebrity. Because do we do that to men? I don't think so. We do Elvis, I mean, so many years later, or we look to the past with women. Britney's what, in her 40s? She's not even old. She's not even old. No, I know, I love it. But something else that's coming back from the 90s, heroin chic. Yeah. New York Post headline read, Bye Bye Booty, heroin chic is back. It's back. Illustrated with some pictures of the Kardashians mm. and 90s Kate Moss and Bella Hadid in that spray on dress. Yes. Give me your thoughts. Oof. I've also read a few headlines that are sort of saying, skinny is back, did it ever go away? Which I think probably no. It's such a funny one, isn't it? Because we were all so kind of celebratory about this quote-unquote new body shape being popular, which was that Kardashian bums, curves, which wasn't really curvy. It was someone that had a big bum but was still incredibly small elsewhere. It was still as unattainable as the sort of Kate Moss heroine chic look. But I suppose at least it kind of opened the doors and gave us an alternative because I mean we grew up in the 90s and the noughties where it was you just had to be so thin and the fashion only worked if you were rail thin it was crop tops it was hipster jeans you just couldn't have an ounce of anything on you and talking about Britney and Christina and the people that we were looking up to as our star icons and kind of our role models were all just teeny tiny I mean even when you look at the Spice Girls now they were miniature they really were. What's more shocking for me is looking back at the celebrities who used to be called plus size or curvy. Yeah. yeah. Or the ones who used to be on the front cover of those trashy magazines with circles around, talking about their weight gain, extreme weight gain. These were tiny women. Yeah. It was Drew Barrymore or mm. that one from Girls Aloud. I don't know the names of the people Kimberly. from Girls Aloud. Yes. Mm incredibly thin women and I mean obviously shocking and horrifying to be discussing any young woman's weight in that way especially when they are a role model for very young women but even more ridiculous is that they weren't plus size yeah so women that used to be shamed publicly for their weight weren't even plus size that was how far we were from body inclusivity and acceptance that there weren't actually any plus size women visible no and 
anyone who wasn't a size six, really, was called out. Anyone who had a fuller face or slightly curvier, slightly bigger boobs was immediately called fat or chubby or look at her incredible weight gain or piles on the pounds. And that's what we grew up with, which is why neither you nor I has ever had a positive body good relationship with food. No, I know. healthy relationship with food. It's shocking. I mean, I remember Jerry Halliwell saying that she was called the fat one. Yeah. But, I mean, she wore a tea towel on the Brits. And then obviously she did get incredibly thin afterwards like super thin and she was so celebrated for that and essentially she did it through yoga and that was I guess one of the first moments that I noticed that wellness being used to mask skinniness and it was like yeah but they're glowing and they're doing yoga and they're drinking green juices and it's like but you're still depriving yourself from food all right you're not chugging on some bags and having a coke but you're eating a celery stick and pretending like you're healthy and the whole issue with the Victoria's Secrets look and how that was just incredibly skinny, but then that got turned into them being athletes and preparing for a a role. And yet you could read on any website in the run-up to the show, their diet and how they got so skinny and prepared for the big catwalk show. And I remember one didn't drink any liquid and it was like, Yeah, they dehydrated before the show. Why are we glamorising this? I don't think it's ever gone away. I think it's always been in the background. But obviously we have had this body positivity movement that has supposedly broadened our horizons. And we have seen larger models on the catwalk. We've seen larger models in campaigns. But I think what this moment right now is doing is exposing all of that for the incredibly shallow attempt from a lot of the fashion industry to be inclusive. I think it wasn't authentic. Jessica Rose wrote a piece in the New York Times under the headline, the super skinny ideal isn't back, it never left. And I think from the sound of it, she's generationally of a similar age to us. We have kind of witnessed this complete change in the way that we talk about women, the way we talk about bodies, which is something to be celebrated and is amazing because... For us, in our incredibly formative years, when we were at school and picking up Bliss and reading about the Spice Girls, we were being told, you have to be so skinny. The language that was used was really damaging. And there was only one acceptable body type. That was it. Everything else was, she's out of shape or she's not the good looking one. Yeah. But as you say, it never really went away. We just changed the way we talked about it the media just started to use different headlines and say gets in shape or follow so-and-so's amazing fitness regime. And it's always completely bonkers. It's always all these celebrities who work out every single day, then, oh, here's the salad that Jennifer Aniston had for lunch every day on the set of Friends. That was doing the rounds on TikTok and everyone remaking it. And I mean, it was a healthy, balanced salad, but it was a salad that was the only thing, according to this kind of hype around it, that was the thing she ate every day. And these are really controlled diets. And we just talk about it now as like, oh, it's a really healthy way to eat. Yes, these green juices were detoxifying. That doesn't really actually mean anything. You can't detoxify your actual organs by drinking green juice. That's not (laughs) medically possible. It is just all talked about in a different way now. And 
now on social media you have loads of influencers doing what I eat in a day yeah that's so worrying well and there's a lot of TikTok I'm not on TikTok it is a foreign land are you I finally downloaded it for about the fourth piece that I wrote about it Like, I should probably know what I'm talking about. But, and then I this. haven't deleted it because it's quite interesting. It's a foreign land to me. I don't want to go into it. It's for the young people. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But I think the hashtag heroin chic is bounding about lots of places. There's a lot of thin spur and there's been a lot of warning to parents of children who are of an age that they're going to be on TikTok that thin spur is rife again eating disorder charities have noticed upticks in people needing their help i think hospital admissions have gone up in the last few years the cut had an interesting piece could thin be in again and this was written by michelle santiago cortez and she talks about how the pandemic played quite uh, significantly into this because there was i mean over here definitely but i think it was really big in the u.s but there was that kind of misinformation about COVID being linked to being obese. And then suddenly it was even more shameful to be fat. Not that it ever hasn't been shameful in our society, but it was even more terrible to be overweight because you were putting pressure on an already strained health system and taking away help from those who need it and blah, blah, blah and all of that. And it is that pretense. It's fat shaming under the guise of saying, we're just thinking about your health. Yeah. And you must automatically be less healthy if you're bigger. Yeah. Which is completely untrue. Completely untrue. And also there was this fixation on fitness at home, Pelotons, fitness DVDs, Joe Wicks. I'm not saying he's problematic. I think he deals with things in a very balanced way. And actually his recipes are delicious and healthy and not stressful in a restrictive kind of way but fitness was this huge thing and you were virtuous and brilliant and you'd been productive if you emerged from the pandemic in a better shape than you went in Hmm. if you had sat on the sofa freaked out and ate some biscuits how slovenly and awful if you had been pelotoning and green juicing and you came out two dress sizes smaller congrats to you yeah yeah It was, you navigated that so well. You made it work for you, (laughs) kind of thing. Whereas, I think in reality, the healthier thing to do, you know, great to get out for walks and whatever, but we were kept at home, gyms were closed, you weren't allowed out for long periods of time for a while. So actually, you kind of had to put so much time into that, if that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. It was so much harder to eat well and not just think, do you know what? I need a glass of red wine and a biscuit. Mm. But also, why should we? There was so much stress going on, so much upheaval, so much uncertainty. It's awful. So to think, oh, I couldn't possibly have a biscuit when you haven't seen your family in six months, you're just crying all the time. It's so inhumane to ourselves. Like we're so used to not being kind to ourselves mm. and not thinking, what could actually give me a moment of joy? And I'm not talking about eating your feelings, but I'm talking about thinking, oh, do you know what? I'm going to have a bit of a special dinner. We did all that, make a meal of it on on Instagram. Yeah. And everyone was hashtagging their tablescapes. But then at the same time as saying, sit down, have a nice meal, there was also the narrative that you have to lose weight. Yeah. You have to come out of this in the best shape you've ever been. Yeah. You have to basically have a glow up during a pandemic. Pandemic glow up. 
And I remember that first summer that travel's still a bit sketchy, but you could, and some people did. And it was suddenly Instagram had all of those vacation pictures back on again. And it was like, oh my God, here's everyone again in swimwear looking tiny and toned to my indoctrinated brain, brilliant. And it made me feel so like, oh, fuck, what was I doing? I forgot to get the memo of becoming a more fabulous version of myself. And I just feel like that has sustained since that moment. Everyone's got more and more glossy, more and more fabulous. Fashion has returned to this Y2K trend. I guess the sort of big signal of that was that Mew Mew mini skirt where you just can't have a bottom. And the low slum jeans. Yeah. Do you remember that diesel leather yes. belt? Yes, I do. But it's worn as a skirt. That's back. It's such cruel fashion because it's so exclusive. And all right, Mew Mew made a skirt that would fit Paloma. What's her last name? El... Alcessa. Yeah. I don't know how to say that properly. Yeah. But I know the how model. to spell it. And <laughs> like a true writer. <laughs> I can spell it, but I can't say it. So she was on the cover of something or another wearing that skirt but that skirt doesn't come in that size so it had to be custom made and it's like oh come on it seems like we've gone ultra cool I've actually just watched I'm obsessed with the Kardashians and don't hate me for it I hate myself enough about it I've got such conflicting opinions about the Kardashians anyway I very much enjoy watching their series but the episode that's just aired is the one where Kim is trying to slim into the Marilyn Monroe dress and she is and she isn't open about it she says she needs to work really hard they show her working out and they show her putting on a big sweatsuit as she works out so she can just drop water weight and she talks about even if I just drop water weight at least it's something they show her eating salads and stuff but she doesn't have a lot of time to drop weight and one would imagine the way to drop weight quickly is to not eat so much Well, at least in the 90s, the damaging, damaging 90s, it was a bit more honest that this is the way. And actually, I saw on Twitter the other day that somebody had tweeted, do you remember the 90s when Special K just used to say, Special K diet, have a tiny bowl of Special K with skim milk for breakfast and lunch, and then you can have dinner. At least, I mean, completely bonkers, but transparently bonkers. You have to starve yourself. You can't eat normal food. You can't have balanced meals. You can't have a frothy oat latte and this and that. You have to starve yourself if you want to be thin and wear that red dress that they showed in the adverts (laughs) to match the red K on the box. You have to just fully starve yourself. And what I find particularly damaging now is that whole wellness narrative, is that whole guise of, oh, Actually, you can just eat normally, so long as you have a hot water with cayenne pepper and whatever Beyonce had. Yeah, that everyone squeeze was of lemon juice or drinking something. when I was at Grazia. And this whole altered way of talking about it, as if people aren't just sitting in their living rooms, willing themselves to not eat yeah. and going hungry, which is what so many young women will be doing now. And it's so damaging, and I remember doing it myself. Yeah. And... I hate that Gen Z have kind of grown up in this time of more inclusive language, seeing different shapes on the catwalks, on magazine covers. We never saw any of that. And 
now to be going back. I mean, yes, maybe we never really progressed, but... At least there was a facade that we progressed. And there are some body positivity activists and icons who did amazing stuff, you know? I'm not sure she'd categorise herself as this, but self-esteem, the singer... She was on Graham Norton the other week and she did Stylist Live over the weekend. And her message is so positive and great. And I'm not calling her plus size. I don't know if she categorises herself as plus size, but she's not super skinny. She's just like a, a normal body. And I'm like, great that that's being celebrated. And we're just seeing it. And we're not pointing out being like, oh, but she's she's a plus size person. You know, she's just a great musical person in her own right. Mm. And so I'm like, cool that that's there because that definitely wasn't there when we were growing up but now this other really strong message that's coming through feels at odds with what's going on and it feels really scary and the thing that we didn't have when we were going through it was social media all right you had the magazines ramming beauty ideals down your throat but there wasn't the access to the damaging Mm. information that is out there it wasn't quite so easy and I just think fuck if I was on TikTok following a heroin chic hashtag, following a pro-ano hashtag, looking at what my favourite skinny influencers were eating in a day, a slice of watermelon. How do you get your brain out of that? How do you recognise that that's not normal? Or that that's not a positive, healthy way to live your life? Yeah. I mean, I was on a shoot recently, I told you about this, but there'd been a bit of a miscommunication. They didn't have my size, but I was supposed to wear the clothes. And... The reaction of the woman who had called in the clothes but had not met me and hadn't realised that they needed to be my size, not sample size, was apologetic and said, I thought they could just be normal size. I didn't realise we needed big sizes. But it is that language. And she was young. So as much as we kind of talk about inclusivity, it's so deeply ingrained societally in all of us, even now, that, as you say, that's not the norm. And it is, because actually I'm smaller than the average British woman. That's the norm. But also, why does there need to be a normal? Why does there need to be normal? And then everything outside of that is abnormal. But it's just the way that we talk about it is so ingrained that she didn't even notice she'd said normal. I noticed, obviously, because she was talking about me, but also because I'm a journalist. And we've changed the language and suddenly, you know, people balk at certain language, even the word flattering. Yeah. yeah. I stopped using in my copy a couple of years ago because... Flattering meant thinner. Yes, and it doesn't. It doesn't by definition. It just means looking like your best version of you. Yeah. But it became shorthand. Yeah. This is a slimming outfit. Yes. And the sort of Trini Susanna, what not to wear era... Of fashion, flattering meant looking slimmer. Mm. Flattering meant making your boobs look smaller, more in proportion, or making yourself into the one beauty ideal. Mm. So I stopped using the word flattering. But, I mean, it's still actually a key search word. So it's a funny thing in journalism, because you don't want to use that word, but actually that's what people Google. People Google flattering dresses, flattering this, because that is still that obsession. Mm. How do I look smaller? How do I fit myself into this tiny little narrow ideal it's really sad and i despair economically socially we're going into a bit of a difficult time we've been in a bit of a difficult time the difficult time is still happening (laughs) when will it end nobody knows if we could all just say hey you know what 
do you want a macaroni cheese? Just fucking go and have one. Oh, can't we all just do it together? If you're chilly in your house, because you can only put your heating on low and slow for an hour every morning, your husband switched the lights out because you've gone to have a wee. <laughs> <laughs> Stick a mac and cheese in the oven or the air fryer. However it is you want to cook your food in the most economic way. And it's Christmas. One of my friends was telling me, though, about um, a drying rack that is electric. I am here for this because without heating on, I can't dry my clothes. No, exactly. That's the reason I've been turning the heating on. Yeah. To dry my sheets. I don't have a dryer, but even if I did, they're very expensive to run. Yeah. And they're bad for your clothes and your sheets. And the environment. And, of course. But I only have a washing machine. She's got a bit of a hard-on for these electric drying racks. And, I mean, I'm with her. Sounds pretty hot. I want one of those. Speaking of our interiors. Made.com. It's gone. Well, it's fallen to administration. Perhaps next have bought it. Yes. So don't worry. You can still buy your pink velvet sofa from somewhere, hopefully. But what an icon of a millennial interior decoration. I never actually had anything from made.com. But yes. It was... Hard agree. It was more luxy than Ikea. Yeah. But more affordable than John Lewis. I have a pink sofa from there. That's the thing, is for a moment it was kind of Instagram style, actually, because it coincided with that moment when suddenly we were all taking pictures of everything. And it did the kind of gimmicky aesthetics much more. I mean, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, you can see you're much better off having bought the John Lewis sofa in a nice neutral colour than the pink one. And... Morwenna Ferrier wrote a great piece in The Guardian. Made.com was a window into the mid-century design ideal, but with none of the quality. (laughs) And talks about paying 10 quid for the council to come and pick up her pink sofa. Because they were just shit. Just so uncomfortable. Joyless to sit on. Everything just fell apart at the seams. But it gave us this instagrammable aesthetic yeah it gave us something that felt younger because john lewis felt very solid and that was what you were buying for your forever home exactly but when you're in your rented flat but you're tired of just putting throws on the six stain sofa and you thought you know what i'm just gonna take the hit and i'm gonna upgrade to a 200 pound pink crushed velvet number you could but it was the price as well because you weren't paying those high... I mean, a sofa is astronomically Don't. priced. Furniture in general, so much. I'm trying to buy a new mattress, and honestly, what do they want from me? Why is it so much money? <laughs> <laughs> but it was a bit more affordable, and obviously that was entirely reflected in what you were getting. I don't know why it costs so much to make a sofa, but apparently it does. We do sit on them a lot. But it's funny, we did all have that cookie-cutter millennial aesthetics so many of us in our homes had the same sofa or the same print on the wall you see them time and again don't you the same pieces and it kind of just looks like you've walked into west elm and like copy pasted (laughs) yeah but on a budget and that's what it was so brilliant for so r.i.p that it has potentially gone forever from our interior decorating landscape But I read a really funny piece related to this. It was in the Times. Charlotte Ivers wrote it over the weekend. Millennials thought we had it made. 
see what she's done there. Now we're just as uncool as the boomers. And she makes the point in her piece that the closure of MAID is the death knell for millennials and our grasp <laughs> on... Altogether? In general. <laughs> Bye, babes. <laughs> no, our grasp on the sort of cultural zeitgeist. And essentially now we're kind of ageing out of what's cool because we have Gen Z coming behind us. And I mean, they're so cool. I don't even really understand any of it to that level. But I was thinking about the other things that were real signifiers of millennial coolness. You know, Instagram now, apparently it's now. I read a great piece on Elle about cringing. We're in the era of cringe. Posting on Instagram is like peak fucking cringe. Avocados. I mean, the avocado was like the most aspirational brunch food you could ever eat. Mm. And now five times higher carbon footprint than bananas. It's officially bad for the environment. And I think some sort of drug cartels are doing some stuff with avocados as well. Walking around with your little takeaway coffee cup, that was a very millennial Very millennial cool thing. Yeah. Which obviously now would be not cool at all. Not cool at all. So we're officially now past it, which I'm fine with because yeah. I don't think I've ever felt particularly cool. No. And actually... What a weight on your mind, what a responsibility, what a drag, making decisions and trying to figure out what would the cool thing to do be. I feel like I did a bit of that in our 20s at uni when we were like, let's put on this ill-fitting vintage dress. I'm not saying vintage isn't cool, it is cool, but I think the vintage that I could afford was not cool. We used to go to those places where you could get like a bag full for like... Yeah, for like a fiver. As opposed to looking for a gem, we were just buying mass polyester things. (laughs) And then swapping them at nightclubs. Oh yeah, for Bella Chic swap shop, great. And going to clubs that I didn't really like music and then drinking drinks that I didn't really, because what I wanted was a nice glass of white wine, but what I felt like I had to have was like a vodka and orange or something cool that I didn't want. (laughs) Vodka orange, (laughs) height of cool. (laughs) I don't know, vodka orange, please. <laughs> I nearly went cranberry as well. Even worse. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, what a fucking relief that we don't have to be cool anymore. But in this piece, Charlotte talks about how our generation actually never had the chance of being cool because you kind of had the boomers who have the world in their hands, have everything, second homes, pensions, good for them. First homes. <laughs> First homes would be a start. The Gen Xs who kind of lived in this counterculture, they were the reaction to the conformity of the boomers. So they were pulp oasis and all of that oh, brilliantness. They had fun club nights. And, yeah. yeah. They had a great time. And then the Gen Zs who, well, I feel like they've kind of looked at us and just been a bit like, mm, that's not for us. Let's forge our own path. But for millennials, we were kind of close enough to the boomers as in they were our parents. So we were looking at their life and being like, oh yeah, cool, no, I need to do that. And then all of a sudden it was like, bam, no, you can't. You should have thought about something else, but it was too late by then. We'd graduated into recession. We were just worried about paying the rent. No time to carve out a niche musical scene. No. Or try veganism. Didn't have time for that. The 2008 recession, we were at university So I think it was even reflected when we were going out, even club night culture and having a weekend job, everything was suddenly more fraught and exhausting. So I do think we had that level of stress. I mean, 
obviously we didn't take time off to discover ourselves. Well, gap year. It was too late because we'd already committed to studying fashion. Mm, which isn't the best start. Uh, so <laughs> we that, fucked ourselves that, already. That was a moment. That was a real moment. <laughs> but it was too late. We were in. But just the worry then. Yes, definitely. But you say that Gen Z are cool. Are they? What are they up to that's cool? They never look like they're having fun. Just crying on TikTok, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think they ever look like they're having a fun time, which is what I always think cool is. It's that effortless, nonchalant party. You don't need to go to the party. You are the party. You are the party. You're just having fun. Whatever you do and whoever you are. I feel like I'm aware the gym can be fun. Mm. (laughs) Can it? (laughs) But... They're all going for hot girl walks. It's a walk. It's a walk by yourself. I go on them. (laughs) There's nothing hot about them in my case. But I don't think that's that fun an occasion. You know, going for a hot girl walk. Or they're at the gym. Or TikTok and things. I just don't think they look like they're having that much fun. Which, to my mind, I'm then like, well, what's the cool trend that they're bringing out? None of their fashion is their own, obviously. True, as discussed, all borrowed from the noughties. All chronic things that we also were, <laughs> were too wise for and thought, absolutely not. I mean, yeah, okay, I had a Miss 60 kind of mini kilt yeah. situation. Oh yeah, I had Denim a top mini shirt. kilt. Absolute banger. I had a yellow one and a pink one with matching banana shoes. <gasps> yeah, great. I know. We did some fashion clangers, but... We wised up to them quite quickly, I think. Pretty swift. Jen said they can see how awful we looked. There's picture evidence of the red carpets then when people used to wear, you know, leg warmers and mini skirts with a court shoe and a blazer over a silk camisole and a crop top. And yet they're doing it. Yeah. Even those David Beckham headbands are back. What are people up to? I don't know. Stop that. Maybe this is just the thing. That whoever the youngest generation is who's old enough to be young adults and to sort of influence, maybe they will always think they're the cool ones. Yes. And they will always look at people older than them and think, sad fucks. I don't think anyone ever thought we were cool, apart from us. Yeah. At that. At a stretch. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't think Gen X's were looking at us thinking, those girls are cool. Even when we were dancing to Pulpit Central St. Martins, we weren't cool. We were just happened to be in a cool room. <laughs> Mistake could happen with Jarvis Cocker. A loophole that, that we stepped through. I feel like even at the time, I felt like I was lucky to be invited. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Do you know what? Maybe just cool is uncool. Maybe it's just, as you said, having a good time and fuck everything else. Maybe that's. <laughs> The Maybe essence of actual The cool. essence of the Christmas film that is us. <laughs> Realising that we don't need our high-flying, cool fashion jobs. Oh my God, we, <laughs> can, go and, we can go and live on the farm. What we needed all along was to rediscover our high school boyfriends. Please, no. Awful. <laughs> I would be a, a disaster film. Everyone I stopped in high school was awful. And they're still probably unavailable to me. That's how limited the pool is at this point. So I don't think it's going to happen. Thank God for that. Ding dong. Right. What are your plans? What are you looking forward to? What are you up to? I'm going ice skating. Are you? Yeah, Great. I am. I'm saying. And Alfie. Oh, <gasps> going to push around one of those penguins. Penguins. Yeah, we're going to Somerset House, which is my fave. 
having tried some others in London, Somerset House is definitely my favourite. It's the most festive. feels a bit Georgian. I don't know. Period drama. Sure. Let's use that blanket term. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Great. What are you up to? Oh, do you know what I am doing? This is so weird. My secondary school has asked me to speak at their prize giving. Fantastic. I I thought you were about to say they're laying on a reunion. No. Because brilliant. That's rom-com festive fodder. Well, yes, apart from I went to an all-girls school, so Mm. I'm not going to fall in love with anyone. I would never go to an alumna event. However, this obviously appeals to my ego because it's somebody giving me validation. Yeah, you get that I have not completely fucked up my career. <laughs> but I have to write a speech. It's on Thursday. Oh, that's amazing. Is it in person? Yeah. Great, where well, you don't I don't know. And this is obviously not the thing I should be worrying about, but I remember what it was like to go to that girls' school. And people did care about what you wore. So I feel like I want a trousers suit. Ooh. But I don't have one. So maybe I'll rent something. Good. Yeah. See, I want to look cool. I want the youth, but it is the youth. These are alphas. Are they alphas? They must be, rather than Gen Z. Generation Alpha. When does that kick in? I don't know. On that cusp somewhere. So they're not going to think I'm cool. Obviously, they're going to think I'm ancient. I remember at my prize giving, the woman who wrote Eats, Shoots and Leaves... You that guide to grammar. Yeah, she That's went. Major. She was also a Tiffin girl. Nice. Yes, she came to our prize giving. She'd written a book. I haven't written a book. No, but if you put all of your articles ever together, you could probably get to the thickness of a book. Probably two. Well, I mean, yeah, I can make one out of receipts also. I was more that somebody wanted to publish her book. But I'm doing that on Thursday. Brilliant. So, so what, you're there to inspire, show everyone how yeah. fabulous and successful and you are. And they want to take a little picture of me. Sorry, it sounds so obnoxiously braggy, but it's really blown my mind. And I'm quite excited about it, but also nervous. Because I always used to get a wobbly knee when I tried to do public speaking. I'm quite excited to go back. It's quite jolly, isn't it? Or weird. It might be horrible. They weren't the happiest years of my life. But yeah, a little bit like a Hallmark movie. Tips on how to look youthful and cool. Welcome. I only feel youthful and cool in two things in my wardrobe. That's a Kai bomber jacket. And I can't wear that on stage. Mm. It's a jacket. Mm. It is cold out. I walk around in my bomber jacket feeling at one with the youth. Especially when I go for a walk. Go around London fields and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hot girl walk. Go on with guess that I'm 34. Just think how they can see my face, but... <laughs> and the rest of my outfit. And my A6 trainers. <laughs> Mine. Because everyone else wears a jacket. So that's what I'm saying. Do you think they might live stream them? On that note.